Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mornings on CBS Sports Radio. Yeah. Yeah. Happy being alive day, everybody. So glad you're with us aboard the mothership. So Thursday, Thursday, we're toasting the good stuff. We'll get to your toast coming up here. Also, our toast coming up next hour. I should say hour four. This hour, we've got Mike Williams, Chargers wide receiver. He's going to join us in 20 minutes. He's out on the West Coast. We taped this yesterday. And then we've got stunned to a news this hour as well. And in 40 minutes is Nick Saban hiding his QB issues. Upside down Mike says, DA, I know the feeling. Me and my wife would prep our lunches together for years. Then we had Finley. I was taking leftover of whatever was in the fridge. I went a week of eating leftover spaghetti for lunch because that's just what we had. Don't worry. It gets easier, man. Well, this is all part of today's situation where I just have an old box of pizza in front of me, and there's one scraggly scrap of a slice left that I just grabbed the entire thing out of the fridge today and said, this is just going to have to be lunch. Whatever is in this box, I'm just going for because it's been a hell of a week around the Amendolara household and juggling the AJ situation. But everybody keeps saying, don't worry, it gets easier. To... You know what? It's really awesome. It's really awesome. It's hard it's hard when he's freaking out. I mean, I feel like, I don't know who he gets this gene from, but it's, I'm either hungry or tired, and you're going to know about it immediately, and I'm going to go from 0 to 60 and then 60 to 120 within seconds, and there is nothing you can do about it, suckers. And it's like, whoa, 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 how did we get here? You were just smiling. I was just tickling you, and now it's, ah! Whoa, dude, okay. We'll make your formula right now. Look, I'm making it. It's in front of you. Ah! (laughs) Okay, all right. Okay, okay, all right, okay. But it's awesome. But it's super hard. But it's awesome. But how many things are awesome that aren't super hard? I think that some of that is just lost in today's society where the stuff that's really awesome is usually really hard. Few things are really easy that are really awesome. So whether it gets easier or not, I'm sure it can't get worse. (laughs) 
You know what you signed up for. Daniel in the 316, after yesterday, I think it was, where Pat Boyle said, I hate all things Wichita, which is just not right. Wichita's a fine place. He says, I feel like Pat Boyle and I have gotten off on the wrong foot. So to repair relations, I have written a haiku in honor of Pat Boyle. A haiku. A haiku. His name is Pat Boyle. He's king of the oinks and boinks. Bring him your women. <laughs> That's the haiku. <laughs> like a Roman emperor? Not exactly an Aesop fable. <laughs> Faithful Pete, what a reference. <laughs> Bring me your women. All right, so maybe you and Daniel now have smoothed things over because of that haiku, that very well-written, well-thought-out haiku. That was a very nice gesture on Daniel in the 316's part. And I like maybe your new nickname of King of the Oinks and the Boinks. I like that. Okay. <laughs> Last week... There was a clip that I saw on social media that I was like, oh, God, if I was on the air today. This is like if you just threw a huge red stake in front of a tiger, this is what, like, this is my gazelle in the Serengeti. Pete Carroll and Richard Sherman talking about the Malcolm Butler interception. <laughs> We're nearly a decade removed, and I always love Time passing so that you have the context of what the true after effect was. NFL Films does this amazing series called America's Game, which is this kind of intimate portrait of every Super Bowl champion. And it's done so well, so beautifully. And they created this series probably 15 years ago or so. And so they were looking back decades after the Vince Lombardi Packers and the 72 Dolphins and the 85 Bears. And so you could really see these guys older, grizzled. Some of their teammates had passed away. You understood the true the true perspective. You know, you need distance. You have to have time and distance to really understand the, the effect of what an event in your life had. And all of them were so well done. And then they started doing them every year. And when you start reflecting back on the Super Bowl journey of three months earlier, it just it doesn't hit the same way. So, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to do the first 40 Super Bowls and then wait 30 years to do the next? I mean, I understand why they're doing it every year, but it's just it's not the same. And so we have litigated the pass at the goal line instead of handing off to Marshawn Lynch for for nine years now. But so much of that was litigated in the immediate aftermath of that play. Is it the right play, the wrong play, the right look, a great play by Malcolm Butler and all of that. Now, here we are a decade later. Richard Sherman is retired. Russ is gone. The Legion of Boom is over. The Seahawks are a completely new team. Nobody's left over from that team anymore. And so now you get the good stuff because now you're not trying to protect your job anymore, protect the team anymore. You know, now we really need Pete Carroll retired to truly get the story, but we're starting to get there. And yeah, is it relevant today in 2023 on August the 31st to talk about a Super Bowl nine years ago? Eh, maybe not. But I find this to be truly fascinating stuff because it's only with distance can you get the truth. 
So in the immediate aftermath of that play, there is a, we've got to deal with this, but we'll be fine, and the locker room is strong, and we still have a great team, and you're trying to piece this thing together, and there's always optimism that don't worry, we can keep putting this together and winning again because we have the players that have gotten us here anyway. And nine years later, they never got back to a Super Bowl, and it's all over. That whole era of Seahawks football is over. So Pete Carroll joined Richard Sherman's podcast, and and I love that Richard Sherman said, let's go there. Let's go there. Let's really talk about this. And before I play the clip, it was so evident that this moment, this play is traumatic for Richard Sherman. There is no doubt. And again, you will only truly get that once these guys are retired and have some space to be able to say, like, it's over. And now I can truthfully talk about it. Because at the time, you can't really say exactly what's on your right. You're protecting a lot of things. You're protecting teammates and messaging and the next year's team and this year's team. And you don't want the media to talk about it or the fans to speculate about it. But now you can really sense how traumatic this decision, this play was. Let me play for you this clip between Pete Carroll and Richard Sherman. I thought this is the, one of those moments that you prepare for. You got to be the epitome of poise, handle it, and own it. There's nothing you can say that's going to put it any other place. It was just as catastrophic as any moment could be. But the thing was, had we won that game, we'd have we won, won the won next year. We'd have won again because <laughs> we went back to the playoffs anyway. Again, after with all the crumble. It was a great team, man. Yeah. We were a great team. So there you have the two guys saying, had we won that Super Bowl, we would have won again. And I thought it was so interesting. Carol says the thing about it is, had we won that, and before he's even done, Sherman says we would have won again. So they they are on the same exact wavelength that they believe, talk about traumatic from a, a football standpoint, a sports standpoint, they, they both believe, unspoken between them, had we won that Super Bowl, we would have three-peated. Now, we can debate till the cows come home whether that is a reasonable expectation. A lot of things change when you win back-to-back. You know, who's to say the following season goes any better? Who's to say that, you know, you just, you could never, the, the butterfly effect is too crazy in saying just like automatically we win that, we definitely win the next year also. But, and the next year was that great Panthers year. They went 15-1. and one. That's the Cam Newton MVP year. Would they have beaten that Panthers team? I mean, that was a really good Carolina squad. Who knows? But I just thought, wow, that's really interesting that they believe, and they can't be the only ones, that everybody in that locker room, or at least a lot of guys must believe, that not only did that play cost them that ring, that play cost them future rings. Let me play more for you. We got more on that clip between Richard Sherman and Pete Carroll. You know, you guys are so mad at me and so pissed. We're hurt. I, 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 I wish I could feel it the way I should feel it, but you know, that, you play, keep that play just happened. Yeah. It wasn't like by design. It wasn't, there was no agenda. That play just happened. You guys couldn't hear it for years, but when we got down there, if you remember, we had one time out. Mm. And so as soon as we got there, I said, one of these plays, we're going to have to throw it to get all four plays. Because I'm always in, make sure that we have a chance to get all four shots. Right. So 
we run the first play. And I think what happened is Bill's late. He sends in the goal line team. Mm-hmm. And we had already sent in 11. Right. That went through the, the play callers. Mm-hmm. And that's what led them to throw it on that down. Right. It had nothing to do with anything else. Right. We've practiced it a million times. It was just the way we had prepared. So I was rock solid on, on the philosophy of it. Mm-hmm. It yeah. just was the worst play that could ever happen. <laughs> Okay, so again, I mean, we've litigated the decision a million times over. I'll just give you my quick notes on that decision. Logically, I understand what Pete Carroll is saying. You want to get four chances at the the end zone, so one of them has to be a throw because there's not enough time on the clock to run it four times. And if you get the right... And Belichick has admitted that they got the right read in terms of the Seahawks, that the play call itself is not a bad play call, that they got the defense that they wanted and they threw the the ball and it was the right play. But a lot of things happened in the play. And one was that Russell Wilson threw it behind the receiver, which was, or in front of the receiver, which was a bad throw. He threw it too high as well. He's going to throw it down into the dirt so that it's either incomplete or it's a touchdown. And also that, they had run that route in practice before, earlier than that, for the Patriots, and they had gotten killed on that, this little rub route, and Belichick had specifically coached Malcolm Butler, hey, no, if, if this happens, you've got to play it this way. And if Belichick had not honed in on that and they had not run that in practice to see that they were exposed, Butler never reads it that way and makes the interception. So a lot of things have to go wrong. It's not that the the, the play call necessarily was technically wrong, it was everything else about the execution and some bad luck that Butler was just, you know, almost preordained to be the right man for that call at that point for the Patriots. At the same time, I mean, to me, I would have never called that play because while, yes, technically you want to get four plays in, it's not just in a vacuum. I mean, strategically or technically, that's not how you necessarily call every play it's that you've moved the football down the field. You're at the goal line. The, the Patriots are reeling. You have just gotten a good chunk play at a Marshawn Lynch to get down to the goal line. You have one of the best power backs, goal line backs in football, and he is ferocious and he is snorting, and it is, we've got all the momentum. They're, they're backtracking. You just keep pushing. You just keep using your momentum against theirs and push and push and push, and if you get to... There's only a few seconds left. Well, now you have to throw. And so I just, to me, throwing in that instance was, there's there's three things that can happen when you throw, the old adage goes, and two of them are bad. Interception or incomplete pass. Incomplete pass wouldn't have killed you there, but you are not losing the Super Bowl on a play if you hand off to Marshawn Lynch, unless he fumbles. But, I mean, you're guessing that that doesn't happen. You might get stopped. Short of the goal line, stop for a loss, okay, but you're not losing the Super Bowl on a play call where you hand it off. You can absolutely lose it on throwing the football. So I would have never done that. But people agree with that, disagree with that, whatever. What is amazing is I just think this is very important to note. And yeah, maybe some of this is self-serving. But the reports that came out after that Super Bowl was that the locker room had cratered in Seattle and that they didn't trust Russell Wilson and they didn't trust the coaching staff because they thought that Russ was getting favoritism and they, they theorized that maybe Pete Carroll wanted Russ to win the Super Bowl MVP and they thought that 
you know, all of this stuff was was percolating inside the Seahawks locker room. And it had created this incredible wedge, this chasm between the defense, the offense, the players, and Russell Wilson, the coaching staff, and the Legion of Boom, all of this. And they all denied it. They denied it. That's not true. This is crazy. And of course the Seahawks are going to deny it. Of course they're going to say there's no truth to this because it it speaks to dysfunction. But it was all right. And I say it could be self-serving because the point is there is oftentimes really good sports journalism that happens and really reliable people that tell the stories and they get shouted down because it's not the message the team wants. And the and the reality, the fact is, it ruined everything there. That play call ruined everything. Pete Carroll says, you guys were so mad at me. And Richard Sherman says, we were hurt. That's a play call. And that's a play call that is defensible. And Richard Sherman says we were hurt. That's it. it. That was, now we know it in retrospect because enough time has gone by, but think about all of the emotional binding within this and layers within that woven, baked into this casserole that A, the players were hurt emotionally hurt about that decision that Carol said, I know you guys were all totally PO'd at me division stories of fractioning happening in that locker room were true. And they all believe in a retrospect. It short circuited a dynasty that had they won now, whether that's true or not, you know, certainly debatable, but they believe, if we would have run the football on that play or if Malcolm Butler didn't make the play of his life, we would have won three Super Bowls in a row, something nobody's ever done. That's talk about the most impactful, powerful, layered decision in football history. That play, that decision to throw instead of run, is arguably the most important decision in Super Bowl history because it it decided a Super Bowl. It wasn't like there was other football to be played after that decision. That was it. That's the end of the game. That's the end of the Super Bowl. So it it changed from winning to losing a Super Bowl, but also ended an entire team. They could not recover emotionally from that. That's That's pretty powerful. I watched that clip multiple times. I said, this is remarkable. And I'll tell you this, it's only going to get more honest as we go on because Carol's still coaching. Once we have 20 years removed from this, we'll get really good stuff. When we come back, Chargers wide receiver Mike Williams, DA, CBS Sports. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Radio. This is CBS. It's the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back to CBS Sports Radio, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. DA with you and one of the teams with some big expectations this year in a crowded AFC playoff field is the Los Angeles Chargers. Having made the postseason last year, a dynamic season once again from their aerial attack. And joining us here is wide receiver of the Chargers, Mike Williams. Mike, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How y'all doing? Doing great, man. Thanks so much for joining us. There were ups and downs, not only in the season, but also in the playoff game itself. What did you guys as a franchise learn from the playoff game you played in Jacksonville? Uh, well, for us, it's not over till it's over. Obviously, we got out to a big start, a fast start. Defense uh, got a lot of turnovers. Uh, we got out to a big league, and then, I mean, second half just kind of changed. So, yeah, we just got to play all four quarters. Rather the we down a lot, up a lot, we just got to play the whole game. Is it a season where you feel like building blocks, a step forward, or does the way that it ended, the collapse in Jacksonville, leave a really bad taste in your mouth? Um, I feel like it left a bad taste for everybody who was a part of it. I mean, obviously, I didn't play in the game, but it left a bad taste in my mouth. So uh, we all just showed up this camp. You know, coach made it a you know a big emphasis uh, going into like the first team meeting that this did happen. How can we avoid it happening again? And uh, how can we move forward from it? So our biggest thing was how can we focus on this team, uh, just a team in last year. So just focusing on us uh, and getting better this year. Must have been specifically really hard for you to have to watch the sidelines injured in that game. How difficult was that? Uh, it was difficult. Uh, I mean, I was trying everything to get back, you know, be able to play. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I got hurt in the last regular season game against the, the Broncos. But, yeah, I was trying to do everything to be able to get back. But wasn't able to do that. But, yeah, it was frustrating just watching from the sideline. No one you can't be out there to help. At the time, you said, you know, it was a game that, that we want. I wanted to play in. It was going to help me go into the postseason. Do you still feel that way? No regrets in playing that final regular season game? I mean, after looking at it, I mean, you kind of would probably think different. I mean, it's football. We, we all get paid to do this. So, I mean, I mean, I was just doing my job for real, for real. So for this season, feels like you guys have most of the the same team back, and it is that it is you guys have most of the same team back and momentum after last year. So I'm sure there's optimism. What is the the rallying cry for you guys going into the year? Uh, I mean for us, our main focus was, I mean, how can we get better every day? Uh, defense, offense, uh, special teams. How can we get better? And that's just showing up every day, competing with the guys on the defense and, uh, you know, just making plays, learning a new offense, getting that down pack, coming out every day, having fun. So that was our main thing. How can we get better uh, than last year in everyday in practice? Chargers wide receiver Mike Williams is our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. For yourself, you work with a quarterback that can put the ball just about anywhere. Justin Herbert has one of the best arms in the NFL. 
And so do you feel a level of comfort now after a couple of seasons in working with him both during the regular season and the preseason and practices? Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, we, we all got comfortable with each other. Uh, he comfortable with a lot of us. Uh, we changing things at the line. Uh, we doing things, you know, freelance just because we, we didn't got the chemistry down packed. So that just make things a lot easier. He know where I'm going to be out in the field. Uh, he know where I like the ball. And I know how he uh, throw the ball. So, yeah, it just – it just come with time. You know, we, we don't got our time together, so we just ready to go out and execute. It is a city that is starting to adopt both you and the Rams now after a couple of years, and it's it's regular, it's normalcy, but the first couple of years, obviously, it was new. So to feel like you guys are settling into the market of the city with the fan base a little bit more? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the first uh, few years we was here, you know, we've been in a soccer stadium, so it was, it was a little kind of weird you know, coming from. You know, playing at big stadiums to go into that. But now that we, you know, we got our own stadium now that we can go into, you know, everything feel like we kind of settled it in. We got the new facility coming now. So, yeah, everything kind of, you know, falling in place. For yourself, how do you try to to focus on being a little bit better every day? As you said, the team's focus, but how do you do individually? Uh, just just being me. Uh, just keep doing the same recovery I've been doing. You know, uh, you don't want to wait till it's too late to to jump on that. So just focusing on recovery every day after practice, make sure I'm doing everything to keep the body healthy and ready to, you know, for this long season. And for the offense and working with Justin Herbert, do you feel pretty confident that in terms of uh, explosiveness and putting up points, you guys can replicate what you did for most of the last season? Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, we, we just got to capitalize on every opportunity that uh, the opponent give us. That's our main thing. Uh just being an explosive offense, you know, scoring a lot of points uh, and, and winning a lot of games. You got to be excited, right? I mean, we're we're less than well, ten days away. We're about a little over a week away from the season beginning, man. You yeah. must, you must be fired up. How's it feel? I am. I am. Uh, been waiting on it for a long time. Uh, can't wait till it's here. And I'm sure there's there's really an extra shred of motivation after the way last season ended for all of you guys to end on on a more positive note this year. Must be must be you must feel that throughout the the. For sure, lockdown. for sure. I mean that's go, that's what we'll be talking about until we go out and play another game. I feel like and uh, we had a good preseason. Uh, finished out the preseason pretty well. Rushed the ball pretty good. That's what we wanted to do. That was the main focus was you know rushing. Uh, we. I think we led the preseason in rushing yards, so we was able to do that. So, yeah, well, I feel like we got a pretty good stride going into the regular season. And it sounds like your Clemson Tigers are ready to to bounce back as well. There's a lot of optimism in Death Valley these days. You going to be following the Tigers this weekend? Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, what, they playing at Duke, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be watching that. I think we're going to go back on top this year. Right on. Mike Williams, wide receiver of the Los Angeles Chargers, looking to – Go into the season with the momentum that they can carry over for making the postseason last year with one of the best offenses in a dynamic passing attack compared to anybody in the NFL. Mike, I appreciate the time today, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right, good to have Mike Williams join us. We taped that yesterday, as I mentioned, and Mike was coming off the practice field, and I was watching AJ for the day, so to make sure he was quiet, I just stuck a bottle in his face because that's the easiest way to make sure that this young man is silent. Just keep feeding him. Feed the feed the hogs. Sounds like Pete. Feed the hogs. <laughs> so Mike was really cool. He's like, is that that's your baby? I was like, yeah. He's like, how old? I said, oh, three months. I said, oh, man, what's his name? So at some point in time, when AJ is a little more, has his wits about him instead of just puking 
milk all over me all the time and pooping in his pants, I will play this for him. Hey, how you doing, Mike? I'm good. I thought that was Clemson Orange. Uh, this is Syracuse Orange, but I have been to Clemson <laughs> for a game, and it's pretty cool. How old is your baby? This is a three-month-old little AJ. Wait, wait, what up, AJ? How you doing? Congrats. Uh, Oh, thanks very much. AJ says, what up? Mike Williams is now my favorite wide receiver. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> Not much, man. Thank you so much for doing it. So that's a cool guy right there. It's a good dude. That's very cool. Now, I hope Mike Williams is still playing. <laughs> so I can point to the TV and say, look, that guy sh shouted you out once upon a time. Yeah. I've tried this tactic. You actually, you did it for me. I told you had Vernon Davis on the show like two seasons ago. Yeah. And I said how Jake was a Vernon Davis fan because of the Madden game. And you told Vernon Davis that he said something. I played it for Jake. Jake couldn't care less. Oh, okay. So I don't know, man, it's hit or miss how these things work. So we're into this way more than our kids are. Probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mike was a good dude, though, <clears throat> and I thought it was interesting that he did kind of admit that playing in Week 17 or Week 18 last year, Game 17, was a mistake. You know, they said all the right things after he got injured in the final regular season game going into the postseason, but they didn't need that game, and then he was lost for the Jacksonville game, and at the time, hey, you know, injuries happen, yada, 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 but there, do you regret it? And he was like, well, yeah, going back, I mean, if he did it again, and then he caught himself and tried to be like, well, you know, we're paid to play football, whatever. That was the talking point. But in reality, he regrets that he played, and he should. I mean, they should not have played him, and he would have been available. Who knows if that would have changed the game. I mean, a lot of that was just total meltdown by, by the Chargers' defense as well. But very Bolts-esque to tempt fate by playing one of your best players in a meaningless game in Week 18. Yeah, and Brennan Staley's out of second, third, fourth chances. Like, this is it. Because, I don't know. Is it? I mean, well, I mean, it should be. It should be it. Like, yeah. that That should be enough. Bungling that la the two seasons ago, that last yeah. game, we needed just a tie, then this decision, and then blowing that lead on the Jaguars. He's got nothing left. He should, he should have nothing left. Can't be wasting Justin Herbert anymore. Yeah, it's been meltdown city the last two years for them in their final game. Yeah. The Basachi thing, they were going to take... Basachi was going to take the tie. They were both going to make it. And then Staley calls that last time out. Basachi basically is like, all right, F you. Now yep. we're kicking the field goal. See you later. See you on the golf course. Unbelievable. Yeah. It was it was inexplicable that they botched that one. And then last year, like you said, two bad ones, the week 18 decisions and then the, the collapse. And I think that clouds the fact that the Chargers are really good again. They have one of the best quarterbacks in football. They have two great wide receivers. They've got Austin Eckler back because he didn't get a deal anywhere else. They didn't trade him. You know, assuming that Bosa stays healthy, which is a big assumption, but they've got good players on, in the secondary. They've got a really good, talented team, but they're just completely overlooked as a true contender because they just always seem to choke. Yeah, and the way he coaches, you know, going forward on fourth down, un untraditional decisions, you can't do those and then bungle the other stuff like that. You got you got to build yourself equity to set trends and change tactics. If we're going to go along with that kind of stuff, you got to do the other normal stuff well, and that's the problem too. He's like there's nothing there's almost nothing left to defend him on. Like it'd be good if the world was just that's a fourth down you should punt on, you should have gone for it on that whatever like 
just football conversations and just the, str- the strategy that involves what he, the way he wants to run things. But because of all this other stuff, he's got no place to hide anymore. He's got no forgiveness. You're right. You can't read ownership in the organization. But this, he to me, is on as hot a seat as anybody as this season begins. It all depends on whether or not a Chargers ownership that is rarely reactionary or rarely impatient because they're cheap or whatever feels like we are wasting Justin Herbert. And if yeah. they feel like that, then after this year, then they would have to make a change if if this is not a team that advances pretty far in the postseason. But a stacked AFC as well. So thanks to wide receiver Mike Williams, cool dude, for joining us here on the show after we taped that yesterday. AB has headlines. DA, I'm not sure we have settled yet on an official catchphrase for tanking to pick Caleb Williams no, in the spring. Have. But in Arizona, that plan involves trading for Josh Dobbs, cutting Colt McCoy, <laughs> and we think letting Dobbs start week one. Every time I step in the building, I put starting expectations on myself. So um, I know the QB situation is going to play out. However, the coaches see fit. Um, but for me, you know, I come in ready to compete every single day. I push myself, but also, you know, approach the room in that way. And so I'm excited to be a part of it and be a part of the team. You know what? I wouldn't push that hard. Don't be that good. You can't win. No. Uh, I no. believe the Cardinals, by the way, are the underdog in all 17 of their games at the moment. Ooh. And it certainly Ooh. makes sense for that. Do they? I was going to say the only team they would even be remotely close to favored or is if they played the Panthers at home. Or the Texans, maybe the at Texans. home. Texans or Panthers at home. That's it. There's no other team in the National Football League they should be favored over at the moment. Now right. there could be a starting quarterback that gets injured, and or Kyler comes back, or there's back an after head coach did we that not, gets fired. Did we not see enough of Josh Dobbs last year? But I mean, you never know if so and so gets fired in Week Nine, and then you know they're just trotting out a garbage coach and a garbage roster. An opponent is then, you know, you can always fall into a weird win. They'll probably win two or three games this year. They're terrible, but they'll probably win two or three games. So Brett Rippon, who's a free agent, maybe gets signed by the L.A. Rams if Stafford gets hurt and the Rams are 2-14. and And Right, but they won't won't fire McVay, and McVay's a decent enough coach that he should be able to still beat a bad team. A better example would be who's going to be on the hot seat. Um, Let's say Ron Rivera. And let's say the commanders are you know, three and eight and they fire Rivera. And now you've got a December game with an interim head coach. Maybe that's Biennemi. Who knows? But, but you know, maybe Sam Howell sucks th- or they sat Sam Howell right. and they signed Brett. We got a Brett Rippon versus Clayton. <laughs> yes, exactly. Week <laughs> 12 that, game. Right, right. Or, or a week 16 game. And you yeah. just start falling into like a gross 16, 12 win. Or, or, I mean, even, God forbid, you get to that final week and they've got, like, the Niners who have got nothing to play for and they're playing nobody. Right, that's That's a place one. where you can't accidentally fall into a win either. That'd be very Texans-esque to <laughs> oh, win a throwaway yeah. finale no. that somehow gives somebody else Caleb Williams. They're so doing the right thing. That Shut it down, punt on 23, get Caleb Williams or Drake May, and be on your way without Kyler Murray. Their best chance probably for a win late in the season, Christmas Eve in Chicago against the Bears. You need to hope mm, that, boom. Ju- well, I guess if you're hoping that the Cardinals are favored, you would be assuming Justin Fields is probably hurt. The Bears have fallen apart again. Right, maybe, maybe they've already fired their coach. And, and, it's and like maybe Kyler's fi- back. And yeah, you got a 15-degree snowy night in oh, Chicago. <laughs> yeah, that's not Cardinals weather. <laughs> uh, Chiefs GM Brett Veach said yesterday they are still hopeful Chris Jones's holdout ends in time for next Thursday's opener with the Lions. The two sides have talked contract more recently. 
but Veach would not say if they've made any progress. And from college football, Utah expected to host Florida tonight without QB Cam Rising, uh. who is still recovering from the ACL tour in the Rose Bowl. No big deal. Bryson Barnes would start instead with highly touted freshman Nate Johnson getting some It would have been more surprising well. if Rising had had played in this right. game. I mean, that was January. Right? Yeah, it's weird that we even got to like yesterday when we had to finally have a report that he wasn't going to be out there. Makes you wonder how long he's going to be out, not just one game. 24 we, hours. We got college football to react to, though, tomorrow. Yeah. That. Summer fr- last summer Friday, eh? This is the last one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Last we one for the Labor Day weekend. And we got Utah, Florida tonight. That's a good football game. PB boys, what are we thinking, Pete? Do we like that game? Uh, no. No, not a fan of that one? No. Not Leaving yet. that one alone? Do we want to do guess the spread without Cam rising, what the, the spread will be? No. Uh, no, I'm well, not we feeling should... it. I have to feel it. Whoa. I have to feel it. He's not what? feeling it. All right. What we should guess is what happens in that game tonight that should make DA be here for tomorrow's show, and he's yeah. not going to be here. Uh does does Utah win without Cam Rising? That's not enough of a crazy thing that I have Probably to not, right? Roll in the stands or something. That's what? now yeah. we're getting there. What if a lady smuggled a gun in her fat folds mm. into the stadium and it went off accidentally? I would have to come in for that. Yeah, they're four and a half point favorites, by the way. Who? Utah, really? At home without Cam Rising? Wow. Like, Utah would have to leave for the ACC at halftime. <laughs> then I would have to come in. And not play the second half. <laughs> Forfeit. We're, we're playing Clemson on Saturday instead, so we got to start resting up. Uh, 24 hours ago, there was a three-way tie atop the AL West. This morning, we're down a team. Chapman is set. Here's the pitch. Hit him! It hits DJ Stewart! The winning run scores from third! McNeil scores. 6-5 Mets in 10. Keith Rad on Mets Radio. That's how the Rangers lost last night after the Mariners and Houston won in the afternoon. So Texas, for the moment, third in the West and third in the wild or in the third wild card spot, two and a half games clear of the Blue Jays. The Dodgers, 24-4 this month after a 7-0 home win over the Diamondbacks. Two-run long balls from Freddie Freeman and Jason Hayward. The Braves, 7-3 winners at Coors Field. And the Rays finally scored in Miami, winning 3-0 in 10. That's four wins in a row for Tampa Bay. They're a game and a half behind the O's in the AL East. 92,003 people watched Nebraska beat Omaha in women's volleyball in Memorial Stadium last night. That's a record for a women's sporting event. And former world number one, Caroline Wozniacki, a 7-5-7-6 win over 11-seeded Petra Kvitova last night at the U.S. Open. This is Wozniacki's third event since ending her three-and-a-half-year retirement. Mm. And now she's in round three. And now, I think we're getting started. doesn't take much to surprise this bouncing baby boy. This is honestly the most stunned I have ever been on the show to a news. The DA show is stunned to a news. And today we are stunned courtesy of the one and only Wizard of Watch DA himself, Andrew Kaplan. 56-year-old Robert Withington lives in Trumbull, Connecticut. One day in May, he was at the local bank, noticed an unattended bag in the parking lot, and took it home. And now, sweet Robert is facing third-degree felony larceny charges, which could lead to five years in prison 
and five grand in fines. That bag that he picked up was a bank deposit bag. It had $5,000 of cash in it. According to police, the bag was clearly marked with the bank's logo and contained multiple documents showing whose money it was. (laughs) And it was from Trumbull's tax collector's office. An employee apparently dropped it on their way into the bank for a deposit. When cops eventually figured out what happened, they interviewed Withington. He admitted to taking the bag and said he didn't think he had any obligation to return Was it, it cash in the bag? I thought I read, I read cash, yes. So if he takes the cash out of the bag, he's scot-free, but he took the bag. Took the bag. You idiot! Yeah. Because then they can track the bag and the deposit, whatever, the, the paperwork and say you should have known. If you just stick your hand in there, grab a stack of bills and head out of there, you're good. And if you find a bag in a parking lot and you pick it up, you're looking inside it right away. To see what's in there, right? To decide whether you're taking it or not. You're not just blindly picking it up and going, because who knows what's in there? Yeah, if it's a bank bag, you know what you're getting. Well, so there's there's no way to defend what he did, is my point. Like, he knew exactly what he was doing the entire time. And we've had these conversations before about, like, finding things side of the highway or things falling off a truck in front of you. Yes. And you're technically required to turn them in, but... When you're in the bank parking lot picking up a bank bag, you got to go, <laughs> what crappy luck I have. I'm the guy that finds the bank bag at the bank with cameras all yeah. around. There's no way I'm going to get away with this. You walk inside. You go, here's your bag. Have a great Wednesday. Or you just leave it. You're just like, I'm not going to be the one that, that brings this back because it's too painful. But, I mean, if you grab a, a wad of bills out of that, you immediately have to go launder that. You you spend that right away. I don't yeah, know how in you Connecticut, do it. If there's two casinos, get a casino, play some blackjack, switch in chips, and switch it back right, out to you cash. You drive right to Turning Stone. Yeah. You grab it. You drive right to Turning Stone. You chip. You cash those in. Now, boom, you got chips. I'm kind of fed up. I'm fed up. I'm kind of furious for this guy. What are we doing in Trumbull, Connecticut, that the most important thing, I'm, I'm seeing here in the article, several months they obtained search warrants, reviewed multiple surveillance videos. Wow, he thought businesses, he had gotten away with it for that and long. And conducted numerous interviews. Over five grand? I mean, come on. Let's let let a common guy get a win every now and then. It's, and it's tax collector's money, too. You're going to tax us out the wazoo. Let me, let me, let me keep five grand. They had to go local businesses. Do you know this guy? You know this guy? Come on. Get lost. (laughs) (laughs) Let him wander in peace. Let the common man have a win for once. For real. You got got nothing better to do in Trumbull, Connecticut than get $5,000 back. It was odd how long it took to figure this out. You'd think they'd immediately go to surveillance video from the parking Wouldn't lot that hard. and find the guy, and then like the next Thursday yeah. have this figured out. Did he drive away though? Like, can you do you see his license plate, or if he walks away? All right, we got to take a break. Is Saban hiding his quarterback concerns? Da CBS Sports Radio. Driving under the influence of marijuana is illegal, and law enforcement officers can tell if you're driving high. If you feel different, you drive different. So drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. Hey, welcome back to the DA Show, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. You can always listen to the show in podcast form. Full four hours of the best of the show. And 
A brand new PGP is out, the Permission Granted podcast, behind the scenes of the DA. So, Nick Saban is not releasing a depth chart ahead of their opener. And it's because he's been getting bombarded with questions of who's the starting quarterback all offseason. And he's bristled at all of those questions. And some have criticized, including Paul Feinbaum and Tim Brando, two longtime college football voices, that he is belittling and bullying the local media, and it's beneath him to do so. But I wonder if it's beyond just, I've got the power, quit asking questions, and this is just a screw you. And more along the lines of, they don't have a great quarterback option. They've had such dynamic QBs the last 10 years. And this year, it feels like there could be a significant drop-off from Bryce Young and all these guys that have come before him, too, and and Jalen Hurts. And then now, Mac Jones, now they, they don't have a guy that they really know, okay, he can elevate us at the quarterback position. So it might be more of an old-school situation where – Bama goes back to run of the football and defense. They've gotten away from that because they've been so good at quarterback and so good at wide receiver. But they might have to become more along those lines of, of ball control, at least early in the season, trying to win games the old Bama way. But I, I do think, yeah, part of this is Saban knows he can manipulate the information the way that he wants because he's Nick Saban. And who's going to challenge that? but also because there isn't a great option. And I think that Alabama is an incredibly dangerous team. Count them out at your own risk. But the QB position, especially early, is certainly something to watch. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 